0: I can't believe it, but it's true. It's here. It's In My Heart's one-year anniversary. I am so proud of our team. From the amazing guests we've interviewed, the hard work, the laughter, and the tears, we have explored and we will continue journeying. And today, it is so apropos that I would honor that journey with my very first guest on In My Heart a year ago. My mentor and someone I admire so very deeply, Tina Knowles Lawson, a force, a female, a businesswoman, a fashion designer, a source of inspiration to so many, a grandmother, mama to shining stars, Beyonce and Solange, a devoted wife and friend, and so much more. I had the amazing opportunity to work with Tina for many years, start my family with her. She will always be my teeny and in my heart, I'm so grateful to her for being on in my heart and launching it with me. And now again, for this very special day, I thank you all for following my podcast and I love connecting with you here and on social media. Just in the last month, we expanded our reach even further by joining the Cloud 10 and iHeartRadio podcast family, and we're super proud of that too. You can hear us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any of your favorite places to listen. Here's to another amazing year. You are always in my heart. For those of you who don't know, Tina Knowles Lawson, she is a businesswoman and a fashion designer and an entrepreneur and an author. I got to know her really well when I worked on her House of Darian and Miss Tina by Tina Knowles Fashion Brands. She's also the mother to the most beautiful, amazing girls, singers, Beyonce Knowles and Solange Knowles and artists is really what I should call them. Welcome, Tina. I'm so happy to have you. happy to be here, Heather. I miss you. I miss you too, (laughs) Miss T. And, you know, it was really so important for me for you to be my first guest on the show because you taught me so much in our years together. And I mean, I had both of my children with you and I watched you raising children. You gave me all kinds of such great advice as a mom, as a friend, as my mama T. And I just really wanted to start off this podcast because it's about the things in my head that we, we talk about as women. We talk about as mothers, as sisters, as daughters, as women, about the things that are important for us to kind of focus in on, don't forget about, or forget about <laughs> on the other level. And so I was really so excited to have you on. There's so much happening in our country today, in our world today. As women, we need to come together. And I needed Miss T. So <laughs> I'm going to tell the world a little bit about you, maybe the things that they don't know. So... Tina's name is really Celestine, okay? So I know that. She was born in Galveston, Texas, and she has seven siblings. She was a former beautician, but I'm gonna tell you about her headliner salon in Houston because I know all about that. It was one of the most coveted spots to go to for your hair and your makeup and anything beauty and all things image and fashion, and Tina was literally at the forefront of it. But she first started the apple does not fall far from the tree in a girl band. She had a girl band called the bell tones. And that's really how she maybe understood her passion for fashion and design. We'll talk a little bit more about that because she was making outfits for her band. And then in turn, she made outfits for destiny's child, but Tina was born to an amazing woman named Agnes Darion, who really was so super beyond her time. She was like the Martha Stewart of like yesterday. You know, you needed a cabinet refinished. She was the one you needed new curtains hung. She was the one. And she made amazing dresses and beautiful clothes and worked her butt off to put her kids through Really good educations in Galveston at a time when it was out of reach for many people, and she literally put her money where her mouth is and made costumes for altar boys and made dresses for debutantes and really made it possible to send her her children to school, uh, private school, and have great educations in Galveston, Texas, a long, long time ago. So that's just a little tiny bit, but welcome, Tina. You did really good. Did I do good? I mean, not to really mention good. the books that that she authored that, I mean, I got to be a piece of part of those looks and outfits, uh, Destiny's Child, Bootylicious fashion, and beauty and lifestyle secrets from Destiny's Child. I kind of like think maybe we should just start there because yeah. it's kind of where our history started. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about our time together and when House of Darion started and what was happening in your life at the time. Well, my life was extremely busy
1: then because I was styling uh, Beyonce at the time and sometimes Kelly, sometimes Solange and Michelle and Michelle, all of the girls. And, you know, these people came with to me with this idea to have a clothing line. And, and so we had to find a co-creative director and in came this beautiful pregnant girl. <laughs> Were you still working for J-Lo at the time, right? Yep, I was. And uh, I was just so taken with her and so impressed and excited to bring her on board. And we did some really good stuff together. And we became very close, like almost like a mother-daughter relationship. And uh, went through a lot of stuff. You know, you having Jackson and, and, you know, all the stress of that. And it just bonded us really close. We were like family. So that was great years. I'll, I'll never forget those years.
0: You know, one of the stories I want to tell about that was I was just under three months pregnant when I was interviewing with Tina and Beyonce for House of Darion. And, you know, it's one of those things that we're inbred in us as women that you're afraid to tell someone, you know, you're afraid to say, oh, I'm going to start a new job, but I'm going to have a baby and that's going to need my attention for a while. And it was honestly a huge change for me in life to be sitting across the table from two women. Yeah. And I was now going to be working. I wasn't being interviewed by men. I was being interviewed by women. And I said, I have something to tell you. And, you know, cause I wasn't showing at the time and Tina said, what is it? You know, you could tell us anything. And I said, I'm pregnant. And I remember like being like sad about it in a way. Like I was worried because of what is preconceived, like what we're set up to believe as women and you and Beyonce near jumped off your chairs. You were like, Oh my God, you are, you were so excited. It was never a question of whether I was going to get the job or not because I had a baby in my belly. It was like, Oh my God, so excited for me and passionate about it. And we work through it not only with one child, but with two children, both Ella and Jack's, I had with you. And so it's really a lot different. A, thank you for being who you guys are, it's who you are in your hearts. But B, it's a lot different when you're sitting across a table and people understand that it's a part of life and they encourage that part of life, procreation, building families, et cetera. Right.
1: I mean, building a family is a part, is an important part of your life. You know, you can't. Put that on hold or you shouldn't have to choose from one over the other. So that was a great experience having this mommy to be around.
0: Yes, we had so many great experiences together. And I want to talk a little bit because I know so much about you. And I want to talk a little bit about your past and your childhood in Galveston. Because a lot of people don't know what it was like. I know so much about your brothers and sisters and even like, you know, the the change in Beyonce, the name Beyonce and the different spelling and all the history. Can you share with with some of the folks about what it was like growing up in Galveston? You know, the baby is seven, you know, in a time that was very different than today.
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, of course, there was a lot of segregation back in those times. And, you know, you don't realize it because you just grow up in it. And I was the youngest of seven kids, and we were very poor. My family was really poor, but my mom, as you said, watered for us to go to private school. So we really didn't even know how poor we were. We had the beach four blocks away. So, you know, we had, I had a time of my life as a child. But it's interesting because a lot of people don't know that Beyonce is my last name. It's my maiden name. My name was Celestine Beyonce, which at that time was not a cool thing to have that weird name. I wanted my name to be Linda Smith. uh, (laughs) Those were the cool names. But all of us have a different spelling. I think me and my brother Skip were the only two that had B-E-Y-O-N-C-E. And it's interesting and it shows you the times because... We asked my mother when I was grown, I was like, why is my brother's name spelled B-E-Y-I-N-C-E? And my, you know, it's all these different spellings. And my mom's replied to me and I was like, that's what they put on your birth certificate. Right. So I said, well, why didn't you argue and make them correct it? And she said, I did one time, the first time. And I was told, be happy that you're getting a birth certificate. Because at one time, Black people didn't get birth certificates. They didn't even have a birth certificate because it meant that you really didn't exist. You know, you weren't important. It, it was that subliminal message. And so I understood that that must have been horrible for her not to even be able to have her children's name spelled correctly. So it was an odd name. It was a weird name. And they were like, how dare you have a French name? Like, we're going to screw this up real good for you. And that's what they did. So we all have different spellings. And my niece, Angela Beyoncé, who's my brother's child, her name is B E Y I N C E. So people don't even put the two together and know that that's the same name, but it is.
0: It was crazy. When you told me that story, it was like, even still now, when I repeat that story, people don't, don't believe it. And, yes, you know, believe. I think a lot of Americans, you know, with their big hearts, but a lot of their ignorance think that, you know, the racism ended with the civil rights. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> And no, it did not. You know what I mean? And we're, we're going to get into that, but yeah, you know, I, one thing I never asked you is were you involved with civil rights back in the day? Well, you know, what's interesting is that, I remember I have this vague
1: memory of riding in the back of the bus and me and my sister getting it. I told you about that. My sister coming up and pulling me by my hair and pulling me to the back of the bus. And I was only four or five at that time. And so I don't know if my memory is of doing it. It seems like it, but I've heard the story so many times. Yeah. But the crazy thing that I just recently discovered, the civil rights movement in the heart of it, like. Integrating the lunch counters—that I can remember going with my sister, but I was a little kid. I was maybe about five or six, right? And my sister almost getting arrested. But what people don't realize, because I just had this conversation last week, and when we went up for a little trip with our friends, and they were like, "No, it was already desegregation," and I said, "Yeah, it might have been desegregation where you were in California, yes. but in Texas and the right. South, they hadn't gotten the memo yet." Right. You know it's like it's like we found out 3 years later that slaves were free and that hence the 19th of June you right. know it, that was a regular holiday there but we found out in Texas late we were integrated late everything was way later and one thing i did realize is that living in Galveston we were insulated and i think we were so trained not to make any waves over anything, you know? And so it was a long time before we got mad enough to make the change happen. And then I can remember like in high school, we had a a black history program, the first ever that they had at the school because they had integrated us to a white school. And I was Angela Davis and they X'd out our whole program. And I remember protesting about that at our high school. All the kids protested. The white kids protested too because it was just so unfair. It's wrong. But that was probably the extent of it, me as an adult. But what I did always do is vote because, you know, it's interesting because I'm on this voting thing now and I have a show where I'm trying to get people to vote and I'm working with these organizations. And because it's so important right now. And I asked everyone on my show, why do you vote? And what comes to mind first for me is my parents always saying, People died for you to vote. All the other reasons are important, but I guess the big one for me is that people died and suffered for you to do this. So yeah. you should not take that for granted. So I started voting at 18. So did my brothers and sisters. But as far as civil rights of
0: marching and all of that, I've kind of missed that that vote. Right now, I think that it's so important that we take every single energy molecule that we have in this and harness it into education, realization, Uh, you know, I call it the Windex era. The glass is clean. That's right. We can all see who our neighbors are now. Right. And we can we can understand how people are naive to things. People are raised in a certain way that they don't understand that they're being insulting or insensitive or wrong to a movement. I mean, I even remember when Black Lives Happen You know, I took to Instagram. I used actually one of Ty Hunters. Ty was a stylist for Beyonce for many, many years. And he's a dear, dear soul and friend. He's like a son to Tina and a dear friend of mine. And I I repurposed one of his Instagrams to explain what BLM meant and why it wasn't saying, you know, it doesn't matter that you don't matter. We're saying that we matter. No, it's that we, you always mattered. (laughs) Exactly. It's not that
1: we're saying that your life doesn't matter, but your life always mattered. Ours doesn't. And that's why it's so easy that we're shot and killed unarmed, yes. you know, for the same thing. I mean, it's like night and day the way these two situations are handled.
0: And when it comes to voting, I had a conversation yesterday with my friend Julio, and he explained to me that women's suffrage our right to vote stemmed out of civil rights. It stemmed out of Frederick Douglass and the lack of a black man's ability to vote. Right. And so really when you when I started to look at it knowing that you know we were talking today, I started to really kind of look at our history, which is how I think we've failed our educational system completely is really understanding our American history because this is a country who loves to like, you know, put the light white curtain up and shield all the bad shit that happened and we need to show it. And so knowing that that was a part of it, I mean, the suffrage of civil rights and no matter who it was, a Jew or anything we talked about, I mean, I'm married to Jonathan, who's a Jewish man whose father was a Holocaust survivor. But the difference is how Julio described it is that there was always a last in line and it was a black American, right? you know, always someone to look down on. And I think that when you explain it to someone that way, there's an aha moment in it. It is. I think so
1: too. That's a you great. Know? That's a great analogy too, because it's really hard to get somebody to understand. It's not just the racism that fuels this. It's just not knowing. Not knowing. Not being told no. the truth. Yeah. You know, being fed through the media just a bill of goods, and so in order to debunk all those myths. It's going to take some time. You know, it's going to take some time and some open minds and open hearts. You know, that's the important part.
0: Exactly. And most importantly is to know that don't never take my power because we have the right to vote. Right. And that is how we literally can change our country and we can change the way. And so I was like, yeah, I was like cheerleading for you when I heard about your work on the HEROES Act. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that for those people who don't know about this bill that you're pushing, trying to push through and maybe where it stands today? Well,
1: there's a HEROES Act that they were trying to pass and actually the House of Representatives passed it. But Mitch McConnell, it has sat on his desk forever. And recently they just X'd it. They're going back, still trying to get money for voting. They released $3 trillion. I think they approved it. They didn't want to, but in this bill, it was $3 billion alone that it would take for voting because right now it's COVID. And so you know all the trickery that they've done in the past at the voting suppression thing, that they have 181 polling places, but the day before they closed, every one of them except one for 650,000 registered voters in Jefferson County. So that's an example of the trickery and the craziness that's going on. And they're blaming it on COVID. They're saying that we don't have enough volunteers because of COVID. We had to close early. It's just all a bunch of bull. But with absentee voting, which is what we're pushing, I'm working with the Leadership Conference of Civil and Human Rights, and they have a voting initiative called Instill I Vote. And so part of the initiative when I became involved, I was like, listen, you guys have to make the information so simple and so easy at your fingertips that you just go online and it tells you where the polling places are. It tells you how to get your ballot. It directly connects you with absentee voting. It's so easy to register for absentee voting. It takes 10 minutes. Yeah. And you can get your ballot at your house. You can take your time. You can do your research. You know, the hardest thing, Heather, has been I mentored 94 kids, inner city kids. And one day I got on the phone with 64 of them, I believe. And there were a lot of tears about the George Floyd and they felt so helpless. And I said, well, guys, I know that all your families registered to vote. And what I got over and over is it doesn't matter if we vote nothing's ever going to change. I mean, they had such a defeatist attitude about it. And I mean, it made me cry. And I was like, listen, guys, think about this for a second. A lot of your parents, a lot of your cousins are incarcerated. So if you vote, you elect the mayor and the mayor hires the police chief who enforces the laws of the police. And the judges that your family members go before are judges that you can elect in the office or not. And so they were like, really, we have the power to vote the judges? And we're like, yeah, I'm like, yes. And the district attorneys and people like that. And so then they became excited. And so we have an initiative where they're, they've registered all together about 40 of their family members to vote. And we're asking those 40 people to register one person. And it just goes on and on. You know, the hardest thing is to, to make our people know that their voices do count.
0: That's right. You know, because they haven't in the past. I mean, so glad you brought up that point because it's one of the simplest ones, right? It's like, oh, I don't matter anyway. Yeah, I'm never going to count, and and we count, we count, we count, we count, and we count more than ever than we have.
1: And what I tell them too is that if your vote didn't count, they wouldn't be trying so hard to suppress it. Exactly, got to remember, you know. But this initiative. With the Heroes Act, we wrote this letter. We got the mothers of the movement, which is a lot of women who Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor's mother, Mom. George Floyd's family, all these women. And I got about 21 of my celebrity friends, and they all signed the petition. And we got it in, and we're still waiting to see if it's gonna have any effect. And we did have a conversation with Chuck Schumer. And he was amazing. He was gracious. And he gave us some tips and we've been doing those things, but we'll see what happens. We're still fighting. We're going to fight
0: till the end. We'll never stop fighting. And we don't have to necessarily get into gerrymandering and how like all these things happen at the beginning, but you have to know your rights and you have to know how to stand up for any barrier that's going to be put in your face to say, no, no, no. I know that I have a right to be here. And, you know, some people have the you know, wherewithal that they'll stand in a line for 12 hours if they need to stand in a line for 12 hours, you know? Absolutely. I
1: interviewed, uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Stacey Abrams last Thursday. Amazing. And one of the things that I love about her is that she can make things in the most simple terms. You know, she's super articulate, but she's not using all these big foreign words. And so right. I asked her to just explain in general terms, gerrymandering. yes purging. Yes. And all these things because people really don't know what they are. And they're embarrassed to say, I was talking to somebody and they were like, Well, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know what that is. Why? Yes. I mean, it's not taught to you in school. No, and it needs to be. So it's okay to ask questions or do the research on the computer. And that's the thing. You have to make the research accessible and you have to. That's one of the things that we're working on with each city. Because, you know, you get that little paper and it tells you just what position they had, not really what they voted on. So you have to do the research to find that out.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I really just kind of adopted Obama's message, which was three simple words. Make a plan. Make a plan. Make a plan. And that's all you got to do. I don't care which way you vote. I just want you to show up and vote. I want you to do a little bit of research. Because it's only one time that you do it first and then it's forever and ever. It's so important. And you think about
1: anything else we do, we research, we plan, you know, if it's a party, it's your birthday party, you are going to plan. This is our country and this is our government. And this is what's going to really make the rules for us. So it's important enough to take a minute and just find out and do your research.
0: Yeah. And it's really important, you know, Raising our children today in today's world, you don't know how much I lean back on some of the advice that you gave me when my babies were first born. You instilled charity in in Solange and Beyonce at a very young age. I would like to talk, the world doesn't know, we're not here to toot the horns of charity. What we're here to do is toot the horns of education, leading in, helping your neighbor. And the Knowles family, Beyonce and Solange and Tina have been the forefront of that for so many charities you guys don't even know about. So I want to just hand it over to you to talk a little bit about that and and the importance of that. Well, it's so
1: important because when you really think about it, it's very simple. If you teach your kids to care about other people, that they're important to no matter where they come from. I remember this is very early on. I heard Beyonce with the kids in the neighborhood and they were talking, you know, they were in a middle-class neighborhood, went to private schools and we had a few blocks, as in every black neighborhood, they'll have halfway houses, like things that they wouldn't ever think of doing in a white neighborhood. So we would have some homeless people walking around, and one day I overheard them saying, Oh, well, homeless people are crooks and they're drug addicts and they're alcoholics and they're and I heard Beyonce agreeing with it, which she didn't know, but she was just, it was just the influence of these kids. And I remember going outside and saying, guys everybody that's homeless is not a bum. Like some people were educated and I started explaining and they were looking at me like I was crazy. And uh, we were going to St. John's. And so we served the homeless every Sunday, which was a big deal because after church, we couldn't wait to get to Luby's cafeteria and eat every Sunday after church. And now all of a sudden I made my kids feed the homeless and they couldn't eat till after they ate. And then we had to clean up. So this was three hours later and they were so mad and not happy about it at all. But I tell you, they got to see families that were homeless. They got to see very intelligent people that were homeless. They got to treat them with dignity. You know, Solange was so little then she was, I think four, she was up on a stool passing out the bread, you know, but she got to see and it changed them completely. And I've never had a problem with them having empathy for people that are less fortunate than them.
0: That's right. They
1: will do whatever they can to help people. And the stuff that they do privately, I couldn't be more proud of because they don't care if anybody knows. No. But I, I'm kind of getting choked up about it because they they seek people out to help. Yes. And there's never any question. You know, I call Beyonce about nine months ago. And I just called her from a Home Depot because this kid was 14 and she was dying of cancer. And they had found this experimental type thing. And they didn't have any time and they needed a plane because she obviously, she was in the last stage and she couldn't fly. I called her from a Home Depot. She was in the middle of a rehearsal or something, all this loud music. And I'm like, it's this kid. She said, I can't really hear you, but you got to hurry up. And I said, it's this kid that's, dying of cancer and it's a chance that she might be able to get a life-saving thing and she's like mom what do you need I said we need a plane and you contribute she said I'll get the plane like I don't know many people that wouldn't ask you know how much is it going to cost or anything she just didn't hesitate she did it and she got the plane and little girl went to Boston for this treatment and unfortunately she passed away it was too late but it's just the thought of every time they hear about something that they do it. And, and I think that's why I've talked to you about me getting so upset when she gets all this criticism yes. because she's not the person. And Solange is not the person to go and brag about what they do. They just do it because it, would, it was instilled in them at nine and four that's to right. give back, to treat people with dignity, to appreciate and respect people that have less than you. And yes. so, Once you do that, it shapes their whole personality. Because when you're like that, you're going to be nicer to people. You're going to look people in the eye. You're going to care about people. And that's half the battle to teach a kid because they're not born knowing how to be thoughtful, how to look people in the eye, how to give people a firm handshake, not to look your nose down on anybody. You know, celebrate your genius as well. So those, I think, are the two most important things. My kids have always been gifted and I have no problem saying that they are gifted and that they are geniuses. That's not arrogance. That's just the truth. That's just facts. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? And so people call they can call me whatever they want. I'm their biggest fan. Yeah. Be your kids biggest friggin' fan. That's the best thing you can do for them.
0: And the women that they are today comes from the background, the lessons that you've instilled in them. And there is a lot that comes with having to have your face on television or, or choosing a career or a talent that chose you, which is very much what happened with the girls. Like I said, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't know if you've heard Tina knowles Lawson sing, but she (laughs) she can belt it out still. I love it. So, but the heart is really where it's at and who, who you are in your heart. And that never changes. That never, it doesn't change with, fame or wealth or popularity, it's only going to get bigger. You know, I'm a big advocate of eating healthfully, and I love when better choices are available to all of us. Our food system is sneaky. Ultra processed foods include the things we love like crunch and convenience, but they're causing bulging waistlines, higher cholesterol, rising blood pressure, and more. Thankfully, we do have choices enter uprising food uprising is a company with a simple mission and that is to liberate all of us from a fundamentally broken food system that's stealing our health uprising is crack the code on healthy bread with a totally innovative cube design and recipe that's convenient and nails it on nutrition taste and freshness with only two net carbs per serving six grams of protein and nine grams of fiber All of Uprising's products are baked with real superfood ingredients, prebiotic fiber to feed a healthy gut, and their patent-pending breakthrough, psyllium husk activation to support full digestive health. Uprising provides convenient, yummy foods with their sourdough cubes and their newly launched Crunchy Freedom Chips, actually making snacking efficient and effective. Try their sampler bundle to see what I mean. You get two superfood bread cubes and four single-serve packs of Freedom Chips. And what's more, Uprising Food is offering my listeners $10 off their starter bundle. Go to uprisingfood.com slash inmyheart, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's U-P-R-I-S-I-N-G food.com slash inmyheart to get $10 off your starter bundle. Now back to my show. So big messages going on here. You know, we got to get out and vote. We've got to make our plans. We've got to break down barriers. I'm not going to let this beautiful lady go without sharing some of some of her your favorite things like what's making you tick right now. Like in covid, what are some of the products you've been leaning on? Because, you know, I always love to get tips like this from you. Well, I mentor
1: these kids and i tell you that has been the best medicine for me. Every Monday we're on the phone for two and a half hours. We do art programs. Normally we would be taking them to museums. We'd be taking them to shows, you know, to Vegas and see a real show and stand at hotels. We try to expose them to everything that they haven't been exposed to. But We can't do that. So we're doing everything virtual like everybody else. And we're planning a gala. I mean, you know, we couldn't have the big gala, wearable art gala, which is a big deal. You sent me some art for that. So we're having a virtual one on Sunday, and I'm excited about it because I went and got all of my celebrity friends to do corny jokes with their kids or <laughs> by themselves, and it's so fun. And then we're going to show footage of what goes on at the gala, and we're doing a big art initiative, and we're giving back half of the money back to the artists so that, you know, it's so tough right now, times are tough. So I'm really excited. So I hope everybody will tune in. I believe that it's on Facebook
0: Live. So tell everybody the name of the charity that you and Richard founded and where they can go to donate.
1: It's called Waco Theater Center. And you know, when my kids were little, they used to, I told you, they used to go to these community centers that were like in underserved communities because that's where they got the competition to dance. I'm like, you might think you're bad <laughs> at your dance school. Let me take you over here. These little girls are gonna teach you something. <laughs> and they did. They would go over there and they would compete and they loved it and they had African-American bookstores and art. You know, they did, it was an all-purpose type place. So that was my dream to always do that. So we're doing that with our little theater. We built a little theater, a 100-seat theater. And we have all kinds of programs. Anybody that wants to show their art, movies to promote. Our kids come and do shows and they do a film camp. And it's just been amazing. I'm living my dream. Because that's my dream that. for my whole life. You know, I've worked hard. Now I work harder for free. but it's wonderful. It's very important.
0: And you're giving back. Okay. One of the things that I always talk about with myself and I keep trying to accomplish is finding freedom in my life. Like, you know, I mean, you and I both know how to work like hard ass work and we used to run ourselves ragged. And so now it's like, how do we find our freedoms? You know, and it's not just one freedom, but we have, there's freedom in a lot of things today, you know, self freedom, relationship freedom. Can you give some advice on how you find your freedoms in your years of experience? Throughout my life, I
1: just devoted my life to work and
0: my kids.
1: And I was always hiding, even though I had like the clothing line and I did those things for ads or whatever, interviews, but they were always very reserved, didn't give out any information. You know, it was just very, very private and before I had the clothing line, I never did interviews. I never took time to make myself up or to comb my hair. And I look crazy all the time because I was always working. working. <laughs> yeah. And I was so protective of my kids' privacy. And then when I got a divorce, all of a sudden I said, you know, I missed out on a lot of life. I decided, made a conscious decision that I was going to concentrate on me. I had a talk with my girls and I said, listen, I'll be there if you need me. but really, it's going to be about Tina. And that's going to be a new thing for you. And it still is a new thing. You know, they didn't want me on Instagram. They didn't want me doing those things because they were trying to protect me. Yeah. And they were like, mama, people are so mean on Instagram and they will tear you apart. And I'm like, I'm ready for it. Cause guess what? I don't really give a shit. <laughs> exactly. for. When you get older, you become free and you don't care. And thank God, God sent someone into my life who was like, Tina, you need to be freer. Stop being so worried about people seeing you or, you know, just be open. You are just be who you are. So that's what Richard helped me to do. And I was ready for it. I am truly free at this point in my life to be myself, authentically myself and not be apologetic for anything that gifts that God has given me. You know, I, I feel uh, like it's such a, a waste for you to feel guilty. I used to feel guilty about having something. Or, right. You know, I worked all my life and I hard. deserve everything that I have. And I've given back as much as I got. So
0: uh, I have you know, like
1: my life. It's true. I can be free and I can do me. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Exactly. But I'm very happy and in a healthy place.
0: That has been the best part of this whole like moment with you, because I know you really for your heart and to the core. And I know how hard you work and I know what you've sacrificed and given up as a person. And I, for one, am just so overjoyed that the world gets you and that you are out and loud, baby and proud (laughs) because you are just one of the most wonderful, loving, caring, smart, dynamic, beautiful people in the whole world. And I am so honored and and pleased to call you my mama T and I love you so very much. And thank you so much for coming. I just
1: have to say that I'm so proud of you too, because you just always been so innovative and such a go-getter. And, you know, even when I was worried about things, sometimes you'd always say, oh no, it's going to be fine. You know, it's going to be fine. We're going to do this. And you're so creative. And I just love what you've done with your life and what a good mom you are to your kids. I know, you know, personally, I've witnessed the sacrifice and you just done a good job. And I'm so proud. I'm, I'm another proud mom.
0: Oh, I love you so much. Well, we're going to keep working at it. Tina, let's just tell our guests where they can find you. We heard a little bit about the charity and I'll definitely make sure that I put more information. But where can they follow you on Instagram to see your corny jokes? <laughs> Miss Tina Lawson miss tina lawson is her instagram and by the way her corny jokes come from her brother who i got to meet and love and and we were honoring him on in his when he moved on to his next life and past and so tina does corny jokes in honor of her brother and it's they're awesome and i love them <laughs> they make my day thank you so much tina Knowles lawson i love you i love you <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. This is in my heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along at i am heather t and send me any questions. Please don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcast and join us next week for another episode.